Hello. Hi, John. Hi, Merlin. How's it going? Good. Good. What's that? Super friends. Yep, 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 yep. Oh, Ooh. here we are again. Chica, Here we are in Spain. <laughs> yes, and. Mm-hmm. Oh, I gotta really work on that. I always forget. Yours is I good. Know. I know. It's been uh, years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's been years. Um, it's early. I have returned uh, to a technology that I feel like I learned about from you. Mm, all right. Go on. Egg in a mug. Uh, reading a book? Is egg, that what you said? Egg in a mug? Egg in a mug. Egg in a mug? Microwave oh, egg, egg in a mug. Oh, egg in a mug. That's me, egg in a mug. Yep, That's yep, what yep. they call me. I've been doing Old some mixins. egg in a mug. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, people don't believe me. I, I, I tell people. I tell my kids, you got to try this technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it works like straight out of the box. If you just Did, if you want you a quick ass egg, it works, but you can also go places with it. Do you throw some cheese in there? You, Bet your ass I do. <laughs> you throw a little salt and pepper in there. Well, I, I I may at this point be taking it too far because I'm trying to <laughs> trying to innovate. <laughs> trying to make an omelet in a cup. Well, yeah, but it's goes, yeah. it actually goes way further than that because oh. what I'm currently doing that's working fine. So here's the methodology that I use, and you can you, you can tell me what you do. Uh, the easiest way to do this is you put a uh, ah, tablespoon of butter uh, okay. in a mug. That's not that much. No, no, no. A tablespoon of butter is fine. A tablespoon of butter is a fine amount of butter. It's less than yeah. you think. Um, and you can, it you, helps the medicine go down. Yeah. You could, you could pre-melt it a little bit if you want. But if you're really in a hurry, you just put you some, 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 uh, some butter in there. You scramble an egg. I would put some salt in. And I do – so I'm doing uh, on a very high wattage microwave. I'm doing that first pass of about 30 seconds. That's right. And then you kind of squish it around a little bit. You'll – because it's yeah. already, you know, eggifying. And then I give it another blast of 30, 40 seconds, depending. And that, that's, doing, that's the easy, the super easy way. Are you doing one egg or two? Um, I've done both. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm giving the unadulterated simple version there. Yeah. And then I want to I really explore the space because I'm taking this to places that are perhaps a little upsetting to a lot of people. <laughs> now, tell me, tell me what you do. <laughs> well, see, I don't scramble it in advance. I just throw an egg in a cup. Oh, egg in a cup. Salt and pepper, and then 30 seconds, and then I hit it with the fork, scramble it after it starts to eggify, Mm -hmm. and that's where you get a kind of, uh, you know, you get that little bit fluffier egg. It's a surprising, now my friend Max Temkin, he he scoffed. He scoffed at me when I said this. He says, doesn't give you a flat egg. I said, surprisingly, my friend, turns out, you get a surprisingly fluffy egg out of this. Yeah, Max Temkin lives in a house with an atrium. Yeah. He's not, he doesn't know about (laughs) Make an egg in a cup. Uh huh. Uh, egg it's, in a cup. Egg in a cup. And it's uh, for the people. It's a people's egg. Okay. And so you do you a scramble after the first thirty. Yep. I hit. Then... I hit. I hit the raw egg with salt and pepper. Mm-hmm. And then maybe if I've got a little grated cheese, I throw that in there. And then it's all just you know half a thirty seconds. Maybe you'll get one pop, but it's not a big pop. It's just like a little pop. Yeah. No, no, that's that, never, that's no, that's within normal parameters of pop. Yeah, and yeah. then uh, and then scramble it, and then you're out the door. And, in a cup. and the reason I like this, in part, it's it's it is very easy, and it has such minimal cleanup involved. Right, it's it's, it's, it's so. Then I started to innovate, and I did some somewhat obvious innovations. And one easy one I've been doing is I got me some ham, and uh, and I I got me some shredded cheddar. And so what I would do is at the beginning of the mix in, so I I would, I would take a, take a slice of ham, roll it up. So remember, this is all about efficiency. I roll it the hell up. Okay. This is thin sliced ham. Thin sliced ham. Yes. Yes. You could get some chunklets and I'm getting, I'll go somewhere with that in a minute. But what 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 I'm doing here now is uh, 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 you, you, uh, you, you cut that lengthwise and then chop, 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 and you get some ham bits so you're yeah. only really adding like a few seconds there. You toss that in with the shredded cheddar and you do the whole thing. And like I said, I've been trying it with two eggs. But that's yeah. that's a surprisingly – if you've reached that point where you're somewhere between a full English breakfast and, say, Soylent, you're mm-hmm. somewhere in between where you just want body fuel that you'll enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
I feel like that's pretty close to the sweet spot. Your mileage may vary, depends on what you what, like your mix-ins to be. So if I if I can, yeah, I'll just throw in that if you slice your ham thin enough, mm-hmm. you can stick a uncut piece of ham in there, mm-hmm. thirty seconds, and then when you hit it with the fork, yeah, it shreds the ham. So it's not chopped. It's like it's just as you scramble the egg, you're scrambling the ham. Scrambling the ham. And then if it's thin enough, it'll just tear apart. And then you've got kind of random sort of shreddy pieces of ham throughout the egg. Makes it a little more rustic. It's a little rustic. And it's also one less step and one less thing that gets dirty. When When I get done, all that I have is a cup. That has no egg left in it because I ate it all. Ate it up. And a fork. And a that's fork. It. That's yep. the whole thing. That's that's yeah. not so different than uh, than a cup of coffee. It's less work than a cup of coffee in a lot of ways. Well, I made uh, a pot yeah, of coffee my, my, this morning. My, yes, my, mine is coffee plus fork, but the fork I find to be the second easiest utensil to clean. So I don't I don't mind that. What's the first easiest utensil? I think a bread knife. A simple, a simple, a simple uh, working man's, uh, you know. Red knife. Well, I find a knife a little bit higher, harder to clean, frankly. Huh. Uh, because with a knife, you have to you have to just keep in mind the sharpness of it. You know, it's, I'm it's talking just, about it's a, like a standard flatware cutlery type situation. What you put next to the plate, not like a steak knife. Right, but even I, I maybe it's just a hangover from from uh, sharp knives, but mm-hmm. I always feel like I've just got it in the back of my head, like, careful. I know, you're you right. Treat, treat every knife like it's loaded. That's right. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a knife licker before I put the knife, before I put no, it to ru- it. That is rustic. That is very rustic. I don't want to start cleaning it until I've, well, until I've licked it. Same, same with a fork. I've thought about, I wonder if I'd like to have like a Walder Frey kind of fork, like where it's just, just two very long tines. Oh, you know, like a Game of Thrones sure, fork. Sure, that'd be kind of a cool look. Have you ever have you ever used one of those fork knives? Oh, oh, like like for camping? Yeah, I think so. We um, well, I mean, we got a titanium spork for my kid for her lunches that worked surprisingly well. Um, you're talking about so? Tell, wait, describe what, you, what you're talking about. Well, so it's a spork, mm-hmm. right? It's a spoon with a fork. Little little short tines at the end, yep, yep, yep. and then one edge is serrated. Oh, you guys, a little knifey, and it's a little knife to cut up your things. Is it on the spoony side? It's on the spoon. Yeah, yeah. You don't is. worry about a tongue cut. Well, I know. I would take take the good. You take the bad. Facts of life. It's a uh, it's serrated like uh, like a bread knife. So okay. hopefully okay. not dangerous. But yeah. also, you know, my daughter. I don't know what age your daughter mastered cutting things with a knife but my I'll daughter let you, I'll still let you know. um, <laughs> <laughs> this episode of roderick on the line is brought to you in part by mac weldon you can learn more about mac weldon right now by visiting MacWeldon.com. mac weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now because mac weldon believes in smart design premium fabrics and simple shopping. They have a very easy-to-use website. Makes it so easy to get in, get out, and get your stuff sent to you. Mack Weldon will be the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants, and more that you will ever wear. They have a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial, which means they eliminate odor, and they want you to be comfortable. So even if you don't like your first pair, you can keep it, and they will still refund you with no questions asked. Not only does Mack Weldon's underwear, socks, and shirts look good, they perform well, too. Good for working out, going to work, going on dates, or just everyday life. I'm a huge fan of Mack Weldon. I am wearing Mack Weldon right now. In particular, I would commend you to their long-sleeve Pima cotton tee. It is just the best. So comfortable. Big fan. I own many of them with real, actual money. So good. So please, right now, you go to MacWeldon.com and you can get 20% off of your order using the promo code R-O-T-L, just like it sounds, R-O-T-L, MacWeldon.com for 20% off with promo code R-O-T-L. Our thanks to Mac Weldon for supporting Roderick on the Line and all the great shows. She still <laughs> spreads it all over. <laughs> spreads it all over. We were cutting pumpkins yesterday, and we had those pumpkin cutting knives that are, like, deeply serrated. Yeah. And I oh, was like... Oh, gosh, yes. But and you, get the cheap, you get the cheap ones of those, and they're terrifying. Well, that's yeah, they're terrible. But we had—they're not we had, cutty; they're tarry. We had okay ones, yeah, and okay. I was like, All right. "Here you go, sweetie. Mm-hmm. You never take the knife out. 
you just ha- leave it ha- you leave it in and then you pull it half out and then push it back in so it's like a sawing motion and she was like i got it she said i got it i got it and she stuck it in and just started just pushing down on it like just trying to just like you got honey you got to let the knife do the work just cleaving it and then she'd pull it all the way out and uh, stab it back on. in. And I'm like, no, 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 here, let's try it again. Right. Saw, 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 saw. And she's just brutalized, you know, the yeah. pumpkin's all scarred and, and bruised. And I was like, it's your pumpkin, sweetie. You she's, can- a, she's a gourd butcher. Yeah, I just, I, I don't know what it is about, about knives, but, you know, cutting, just cutting something up, I end up always like, why don't I just help you here? And I'll just cut the, your, your food up into little bits. Yep. So yeah. I, I can't really eat as as long as you're not managed. <laughs> right, because otherwise the food's all over the table and yeah. not you know. I've um I'm quite I'm trying to quietly set myself to the task of talking less about my child. So I'm not gonna oh, talk yeah. about my child here. No, no, no. Good, I'm gonna good, talk good. about um a young person in the abstract. And I, I Oh think, I see. So 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 I'm avoiding two things here. Um just to be clear. <laughs> I have an opening statement. First okay. of all, I'm avoiding talking about my, my my dear child. But I'm also avoiding, let's be honest, I'm avoiding the old man thing of saying these kids today, they just don't even oh, know how to use a fax machine. Okay. I, I hate that. Hate that. But I will say this. Uh there are certain childhood tasks that I would like to think I had well mastered by let's say the tween age. Right. Do you mean like getting left alone at home and starting fires in the fire? Kind of, but I'm also talking about like really being good at shoelace tying. Uh, Right. So like, uh, or, or cutting my own things without making a mess or getting my own water. That's fine. Let's not even get started on riding on a bike, but, but, um, but then some of these youths uh, can do things like do computer programming. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't know how to computer program. I didn't, no, they didn't I, even have computers. I mean, there's there are so many. And obviously, some of these skills would be uh, beyond irrelevant because I didn't have the technology to do them. But um, you know, I, I remember when uh, I feel like I didn't have a kid at the time. But I remember when uh, shoes with Velcro became popular, and yeah. I want to say the '80s or '90s. Yeah, and it was boy, after after time. Well, do you remember how mad people were? People were oh, so because yeah, kids today weren't going to learn how to tie their shoes. <laughs> yeah, that was going to be that the extremely important task of of tying your shoes several times a day would be lost, you know, lost to time, tears, and rain I, I because like these I stupid kids, these stupid kids who are certainly all in the brown reading group, n- never never learned how to tie their shoes. And this, and it's like you know what? It really it turned out okay. I don't know. I feel like tying my shoes. I told you this, didn't I? I was a late adopter on a couple of things. Yeah. Uh, one of them was tying my shoes. And at one point, uh, I suffered the humiliation of having my sister come up from the kin- kindergarten class to the second grade class to tie my shoes for me after recess. No. And I got, um, I got relentlessly teased to the point that I was like, all right, I got to learn how to There's there's a lot to tease there. The other one was I didn't really focus on learning to tell time. I felt like it was a thing that was fine. What did I need to know? You know, there was always somebody that was going to tell me what time it was. Yeah. And it's not like I needed to tell time. And so I think second grade, maybe I was still just like, I don't know what time it is. And I was with a couple of my friends. They were twins, Thomas and Peter Kluge. Mm-hmm. And uh, the they Kluge, were like the Kluge boys. The Kluge boys. And they said, You don't know how to tell time. And I was like, I don't, I don't, no, I don't. I never learned. And they pointed at a clock and they said, What time is it? And I was like, I don't know. And they said, No, 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 seriously, what time is it? And I was like, I don't know, 10 to 4. And they <laughs> were like, Yes, it's 10 to 4. You know how to tell time. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, I do know how to tell time. Right. I just had convinced myself that I didn't. So I would look at a clock blindly. But in fact, it was perfectly obvious what time it was to a third grader or whatever I was. Yeah. uh, Because you could just do the math on it. Like, hmm, let's see, uh, 10 to 4? And or so like, you know was, what class you're in? I mean, it's, it's not so different. And this is going to sound extreme. It's not so different from literacy and the way that there can be people 
um, who don't quote unquote learn how to read until they're in their 30s or 40s. And it's it's so great. And we like the inspirational videos. It's second only to the cochlear implant videos. Look at this. Mm -hmm. This person can read. It's really great. And it is really great. But but that person has satisfied for their whole life. They've found a way to get along. Yeah. And and you know, it's it's mainly that in your case, in that like you kind of know how to tell time, but you wouldn't want to do it as a skills challenge because well, you don't feel confident in your ability to tell time. There was an adult man in my life uh, when I was very young, when I was, you know, young uh, child, young boy. Mm -hmm. And he was, you know, a tender, caring, older man and um, apparently didn't know how to read. And so he would sit with me while I learned to read, ostensibly helping me, but in fact, according to the other adults who were monitoring this, you know, with one, you know, with side eye, yeah. apparently I taught him to read as I learned to read. Hakuna Matata. Yeah. Because he just sat there while I was like, uh, let's see, well, this must say, you know, uh, banana because B-A-N-A-N-A. -A -A. And he was like, <laughs> banana. Yes. Good jobs. You know, good job, John. And I would say, yes. Okay. And so I learned to read and he, you know, and I think he was probably 38 and I think maybe I learned to read a little faster than he did, but yeah. like he, he got there and it just, he had never had an opportunity to do it where he didn't feel self-conscious. Absolutely. So There's never a good day to admit something like that. Right, having me or, on or his to lap. Feel the and, need to ask for a grown man, having ask for help on something that everybody assumes you've been able to do since you were a child. It's, it's yeah. What's shameful. he going to do? Yeah, Take exactly. an adult education thing, but sitting there and just and you know and saying to me, "Good job." Uh, and if I asked him a question, he, I think he would say, "What do you think it says?" Mm -hmm. And just gradually, sort of. But he was a successful business person, right? He was really. He, was, he owned. He owned not just one, but a small chain of uh businesses that did um you know like tool and die manufacture stuff and carburetor building and right. you know it was but he, he had was, to look uh, at contracts and stuff oh he just sort of went he <gasps> had a he had a brother that helped him you know was partner in the business a younger brother who i guess picked up some reading along the way i don't mm -hmm. know but he was you know he could he could build anything and uh yeah. and i think after after kind of helping, you know, helping be sort of a an adult in in my life at a young age, came away with a new set of skills. Sitting there with a the little kid, I just want to say shame on me because because mm. like sh shame on me because mm. uh, first of all, well, there's a part of this I'm oh, all of it, both parts. The first part is like I assumed that that was a simple tradesman. Um, like maybe some kind of a person who was like a custodian or a lawn worker. <laughs> and, and so I have to be, I want to be dead honest with you. I also assumed he might be a magic Negro. I, oh, I also, no. in my head, that seems like the kind of story we would have read when we were kids. Right. Maybe as part of an SRA, maybe a right. green level, well, a green level SRA. There would have been an amazing story, uh, about this, uh, about this stone soup moment where yeah. these two, these two simple people helped each other learn how to read you know what the story is? Hmm. Tom Sawyer. Oh, wait a minute. So you were painting his fence? <laughs> uh, wait. Oh, no, fence? I'm sorry. It was Huckleberry Finn. That's the story. I knew the reference. Finn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, that. I'm talking about Jim. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's All right. right. That's right. All right. Not you, the were fence. Both, you were both, both building a raft. Okay. Yeah, we were on a raft. We okay. were going down the river. Shame on me. I just want to say, shame yeah. on me. Well, you know, you can't uh, you can't control what your mind is doing. It's dancing all around. Oh, your mind's if only got we this. could choose. If only you know, we could choose. Your mind is over here. Your mind is over there. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do? We got no soup. Can I ask yeah. you a Charles Nelson Riley related question? Sure, of course, always. You you probably almost certainly didn't watch as much afternoon TV as I did as a child, but uh, uh, do you remember the commercials for the big banana pen? Uh, yes, I do. That's, that's how every time I see the word banana or I have a reason to spell the word banana, do you remember how he says it and spells it in the commercial? Where he goes, the big banana, B-A-N-A-N-A. -A -A. <laughs> every time I, for whatever reason, have to type, I'm not so much reading or seeing, seeing a literal fruit, the banana, but every time right. I have to spell it in my head, I, in my head, not aloud until now, but I say B-A-N-A-N-A. Uh-huh. Big banana. I, uh, I can't, uh, I can never separate him from the match game. 
Oh, he was so good on there. He was really good on the match game. And, you know, adults didn't used to really monitor your... Your television intake, like they do racy. now. It was so uh, racy. Kids today. Well, it wasn't like Love American style. Well, and, that uh, was that uh, was super racy. Woo! Whoosh! I loved it. I loved that show. The, with the Stuart Margolin <laughs> was on there style. a lot. <laughs> For me and you, yeah. two red, white, and blue. Mm, hot. Yeah, that's me and Stop. you. Yes, huh? yes. But uh, yeah, yeah, match game. It'd be on the afternoon. It was fun. Gene Rayburn had that wackadoo microphone. <laughs> she did. There were a lot of double entendres. There were a lot so of... So uh, many. There was a lot of uh, gay-themed material. Uh, yeah. A lot of gay uh, double entendres, which was pretty racy, but everybody knew what they meant. You know what they meant? You, had, you got Richard Dawson. You got Fanny Flagg. You got uh, Brett Summers. Amazing. Amazing. Um, you got you know, her and Charles Nelson Riley would have some times. They would really cut up. <sighs> Brett Summers. I mean, how? She was funny. Where, where did she come from? What was she doing? Wasn't she married to Oscar what, Madison? What? Was she married to Oscar Madison? Jack Klugman. Yes. Jack Klugman. Yes. Klugman. Uh, so, w- which was the equivalent of um, of the uh, the taxi marriage? Yes. The the taxi Cheers marriage. Yes. No, I, I know. Don't worry. I know what you mean. Yeah, I know I what know. you mean. Remember the first time Louis steps out of that booth and we see his height and how funny that was? It was hilarious. First episode, he walks out, that guy's kind of little. He's huh. small. He's, he's small, small but, guy. He's, but he's got a big personality. I got another one for you. Uh, I'm not going to make this all about lizards, but uh, we, we learned even before we obtained the lizard that as with all uh, reptiles, mostly, don't email me, you, you can't kiss them. You can't Why? kiss them because uh, uh, of the salmonella. Uh, now, you can kiss a bird, though. I'm, I'm living proof. <laughs> You've seen was, it. You've you seen know, a man kiss a bird. I was at a. I was don't at a kiss house. another man's bird. I was at a house uh, the other day. Uh, two days. Ago, I was yeah. at a house. A house I'd never been to before. It was down in Tacoma. Yeah. It was a very eclectic house, and uh, it, included in the eclectic house was a bird. And it was, uh, th- and we all uh, there at the house. We all talked shit about a cockatiel for a while, as so you sure. do when you're talking to somebody about a bird. But this was a parrot bird. And uh, the parrot was uh, making the rounds. It was, you know, sit. It sat on my daughter's uh, uh, arm for a little bit. It was oh. up on its owner. And uh, then when I walked into the room, the bird very definitely noticed me. Now I I know this because I was looking at the bird. Okay. Now no one else at the moment was looking at the bird, so they didn't notice the bird notice me. And the bird very definitely noticed me and then walked around behind on, on its owner's sort of shoulder and got around behind their neck where I couldn't see the bird. And I was like, interesting. The bird noticed me and then it hid. And then the bird peeked his little head out and looked at me and then went back to hiding. And I was like, hmm, interesting. Well, nobody else is monitoring the bird at this point. They're talking about something else. And I'm, you know, and I'm in the conversation, but I'm watching what's going on with this bird. I, it's a ladybird. I'm sorry. I, I, I used a male pronoun, but it's a ladybird. And you, mis- I, you misgendered the bird. I did. Okay. I did. Uh, the bird's name was Susan. Oh. <laughs> a bird named Susan? Yeah, it was a bird named Susan. Huh. Uh, anyway, so I'm watching, and then the bird peeks its head out around the uh, around its owner's head again and looks at me. At, at which point I said to the room, um, the bird uh, noticed me and now it's hiding from me. And everyone kind of looked at me and sort of was like, it just sort of no one reacted really, or they reacted just like, uh, whatever, you know, they didn't even go, huh? They just didn't acknowledge sort of what I had said. And they went back to talking and there was a little bit more cocktail stuff. And then there was some talk about tiki bars. You know, it was, the conversation was ongoing. The bird does it again. And I'm like, so I kind of move around. So it's harder for the bird to get away. Right. I'm like, okay, third time's a charm. Now Mm. I'm going to look at you. How do you like them apples? Mm. And the bird goes around the owner to the, to their back and is like on the back of her, shirt to hide from me and i'm like okay. susan is avoiding your gaze yes but also taking peeps at me um and which i don't mean to say is peeping it, but is peeping is peeping at me not but not peeping at me not peeping but peeping 
Yeah, the other Pete. Mm-hmm. The other Pete. Mm-hmm. And so then I stop. I, I stop paying attention to the bird. I'm like, Susan, you just you're on your own thing. <clears throat> I'm not offended. I understand. I'm the biggest person in the room. <laughs> this wouldn't be the first time this has happened. Well, you know, and it's just like, I get it, right? I'm, yeah, I'm, where you've aroused a woman's morbid curiosity. <laughs> I'm, I'm large, I'm bearded, yeah. I come into the room, it, I take up a lot of space. I've seen animals do this before, where they're just like, okay, yep. woo, like the scale here comes, of everything. Here comes Steam and John. Right. So I stand there, I'm talking to him, talking to him. We, we continue to talk about tiki bars, we talk about other things, and then all of a sudden, Susan takes flight and lands on my head. Whoa. Just right on top of my head. And everyone is shocked. And the owners say, she's never done that before. Like, what's this about? Hmm. And I'm like, I don't know. But uh, now she's on my head. Now, I don't know what that means in bird talk. But I stand there, and she is very comfortable on my head. And I'm like, look, I'm fine with this, too, if she wants to sit up there. I'm confident she's not going to poop on me. Mm-hmm. And for the remainder of the conversation, uh, she sat on my head before, finally, I think her owner – I mean, not quite as uncomfortable as one would be if they, if your bird was trying to French kiss somebody else. Right, right. But uh, finally, the owner was like, why don't I get the – you know, just sort of was nervous. Why don't I get the bird – down off your head. And I was like, I'm also fine with that. Okay. So I don't know, again, I don't know what it is, um, uh, about me and birds, but I could, could, the, could Susan be a fan of the song? It'll be a breeze. It's possible. <laughs> the owners, her, you, human you, owners, you're the one who put that out into the world. It's true. You, you, but, you stipulated that you were a tree and then encouraged, uh, the object of the song to build a nest in your hair. It's true. And, and you know, uh, the owners actually said it's probably, she, she's trying to nest. It probably reminds her of a nest, a big, like, you know, hunk Susan of Susan thinks you're flora. Could be. Hmm. Maybe I'm, I'm tall enough that I'm a tree. I'm an ent. She's thinking, maybe she's a Lord of the Rings fan. Okay. And she's it. thinking, I'm going to live in an ent. the ring. Okay. Uh, but uh, I don't think the owners of the bird are aware of me as a, as a musical artist. So I doubt it. Unless Susan's like picking up songs on on passing like car, like on Pandora or something. Yeah, right. Tuned it when no one else is there because they said they know she talks, but she's never talked with them. And she's a recent ad- adoption. I think she's sort of like your she's lizard, talked, but she's never talked with them. That, that'd be a good line for a song right there. Let me write it down. Take a, and take she's a, it's a freebie. She, you can have that one. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> write that down. Um, <laughs> Uh, well, I'm, this is I very say- this is very quizzical, John. I, I I'm always interested when I had the, I had a similar thing, and I want to get back to Salmonella because I have an anecdote. But uh, I I met a dog uh, this weekend, and uh, and I I don't want to I don't want to toot my own horn, but I think I have tremendous dog energy. There's something okay. about me. I think a dog sees me and the way that I carry myself, and that dog knows this is a person who loves dogs. Are you saying you're a dog whisperer? I don't know if I'm a, I'm very, uh, I don't know what, I could be a whisperer, but I, maybe it's my approach. Maybe it's the way that I kind of let them come to me a little bit, but they can tell I've got tremendous dog energy. Mm-hmm. And in this case, I had a similar kind of experience to yours, which is, they said matzah usually, well, matzah <laughs> does not love matzah, <laughs> M-A-T-Z-A-H. Matzah doesn't like men. And I said, right. well, neither do I. And and here, they said, here. yeah, and so, but matzah came right up and uh, and put 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 uh, put her little paws on, on my leg. Oh, uh, matzah never men. does that. She was liking men. You being a man, she, I'm a man. That's for sure. How and, how how? <laughs> <laughs> Cancelled show. Uh, so anyway, and so you are in a you're in a strange situation because now you got you got a bird on the head, two in the bush, and they're gonna they're gonna uh, remove Susan from the air sats tree. Well, see, I also, uh, people say all the time, oh, this or that animal doesn't like men. And then it turns out that they like me. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that should be. Uh, you know, I've told you the story about the, uh, about the gorilla that, uh, <laughs> the, 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 the gorilla at the zoo who, who I, I you, told you the story about the gorilla. <laughs> the, the, the gorilla who, uh-huh. uh, who was sitting there in its enclosure 
and uh, just ignoring everyone. Just couldn't, you know, the bunch of people in there, they're all like, oh, the gorilla. And the gorilla just could not be bothered, you know, kind of looking over its shoulder at him. But just they like get that you know, all day, John, they get yeah. they got people trying to attract them all day long. I mean, they that you would have to be a pretty interesting find for the gorilla to get worked up. Well, and so this is what, so I walk into the gorilla, uh, the enclosure, which has glass. The gorilla can see the other humans and the, you know, the gorilla is just like, couldn't care. And then I walk in and the gorilla immediately is like, say what? And turns around and just eyeballs me. Mm-hmm. And there are 25 people in this glass, uh, this darkened glass enclosure. And they all turn slowly and look at me. And then uh, people in the room are like, he's staring right at you. And I was like, I noticed. Mm-hmm. And so the, the gorilla and I just stand there locked, uh, eyes locked. And, uh, you know, and, and I, and I realized like, oh, I'm a, I'm a gray beard. Like I look like a, <gasps> is this like a, is this like a silverback? Like a daddy? It's like yeah, a daddy yeah, gorilla? Oh, big, 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 big gorilla, big silver gorilla. And I was like, oh, geez, so I'm not, you know, I'm not behaving aggressively toward this gorilla because I'm not trying to rile him up. He's got mm-hmm. he's got a lot to think about sure. already. Sure. And uh, then he starts getting very aggressive and starts tearing stuff up. And then he starts, he he decides, he breaks uh, 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 eye contact with me and goes just tearing off across the enclosure. And then he gets up on top of a, uh, like a hump uh, of land and then looks at me from up from way back there. And then he starts tearing it around Jeez. and everybody in the place is like, wow, he's really freaking out. And I was like, man, I'll tell you, uh, I'll tell you what. And then, you know, and he's just, and then he comes back and I was like, well, I just got to spare this gorilla, the, yeah. the pain in the ass of me being here and was like, goodbye. You yeah, know, you're, you're nice. the only one who can leave in that situation. I'm like, nice, nice meeting you gorilla. <clears throat> yeah. And so I left because I was like, this gorilla is agitated. Uh, but, uh, but it was, it was funny that he recognized me as a fellow traveler who was, you know, the, who he had to, he had to like put it, put in his place. Yes. And I was like, yes. Okay. I get it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I get it. Now I've, I've also told you about the time that a, that a giraffe, uh, sneeze. Oh no, it was an elephant. An elephant sneezed in my face. Oh no. Yeah. I had a, I, I don't think a, I'd like that. I had a Gatorade uh, with me, went over to the elephant enclosure, and I had the little, I had the cap of the Gatorade, which had the little, like, if this is popped up, don't drink the Gatorade because it might be full of Tylenol, poison Tylenol or whatever. <laughs> Remember those little papa tapa tapa caps? You're talking about like, a, like for a sports bottle? Yeah, well, no, but it was like the old Gatorades that were in a glass bottle that had a oh. that had oh, a, like a, a little, metal it creates cap. a ring. Oh, I see what you're saying with the papa tapa. Yes, the papa tapa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If your applesauce uh, is popped up, you might have a salmonella type situation. Exactly. Okay. Yes, yes, and yes. And so I'm standing there at the at the uh, elephant enclosure, and I've got this cap in my hand because I'm I'm halfway through a Gatorade. Yeah. And I go papa 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 with it, and it makes a little quick like, like quick, a seal quick, training quick, noise. Like a well, see, yeah, this is something I didn't know whether it was because I, I because then all of a sudden, uh, the three elephants that were all the way across the enclosure turn and what? run, just what? gallop right at me, just moving fast. Oh no! And I'm like, whoa! And all the people around me are like, whoa, because they come so fast that you're that it's even though you know there's a moat between you. Oh it's no! Very I, 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 moat's not going to be enough to make me feel good about it. More than one elephant running at me. No, thank you. Straight at me, and then they get to the barrier, and they all of them put their trunks as far out as they can. And at this point, their trunks are not that far from my face, and they're waving their trunks like waving them like uh, like cobras at me. And I'm like, wow! And so I hold up the Gatorade. Uh, uh, thing mm-hmm. and I go clicka clicka and they're like waving their trunks and then two of them put their trunks down and and turn to walk away and the third one the biggest one puts her trunk right in my face and goes whoa and just hoses me with elephant <gasps> like <sighs> snot Ugh. Or whatever, whatever's inside of an elephant's trunk, she yeah. just 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 spews me with it. 
And I was like, I almost like, like really kind of kind of seems to be kind of a snot rocket because it's an on purpose thing. Yeah, it was on purpose. It was like, very like much just like yeah, whatever you you know like <laughs> fuck you face for getting us over here yep. for this for nothing. And I was like, oh, man, I didn't know. I was just doing my thing, you know, as a person does doing my thing. Yeah, I didn't realize it was also your thing. Mm-hmm. You're just trying to enjoy your Gatorade. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, and make a noise, you know, like any, like any red-blooded American. I was making noise because I couldn't stand what was going. I couldn't stand the, the demon dogs inside my uh-huh. head. And a little bit of click and clack uh, yes, yes. puts you in a better frame of mind. This so is now why, tell this me. This is why they have CNN in airports. Tell me about your lizard story. Well, just to say, everybody wants to kiss the lizard. He's very kissable. I see what you're saying. He's a sweet, precious boy. And, uh, and so the reason I, now it's not going to make, well, it already didn't make much sense, but now it's super not going to make sense. But, but talking about, uh, you know, Charles Nelson Riley and the Big Banana, right? Mm-hmm. B-A-N-A-N-A. Mm-hmm. B-A-N-A-N-A. B-A-N-A-N-A. Now my file card, that's my file card. You know that term, right? That's my file card. My file card for banana is Charles Nelson Riley and the Big Banana commercial. My file card for Salmonella was a PSA in the 1970s featuring Tony Randall. And Jack Klugman <laughs> as the titular odd couple, uh-huh. and and the Tony Randall character. You remember he's a real tidy fella, yeah. and uh, and he comes into their kitchenette there in Manhattan, and there's there's groceries sitting out, and this upsets uh-huh. him for a variety of reasons. And he says to Oscar, "Well, you can't leave all this food out, or you know you can get uh, these the, you can get sick from these foods." He says, "Yeah, haven't you ever heard of salmonella?" And then the Jack Klugman character says, I think he plays third for the Yankees. Ah, uh, see, kapow. Right. So that's, 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 a, see, thing that's, I, good that's a thing I can't un, un, uh, un, unremember. <laughs> so, so every time you tell a friend, don't kiss the lizard. Don't kiss the lizard. <laughs> you're thinking yes. he plays third base for the Yankees. Third base. Yeah, yeah. I can't finish without it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so that's a nice feeling. Also, um, when did I learn the M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-B-I? Is that just a thing that people say in that rhythm as a kid? Yeah, I think so. M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I is just how you learn to say spell Mississippi. Is that a trochee or a – it's probably it's probably a, a meter, a metric foot. Yeah, it's like um, it's like rhythm, R-H-Y-T-H-M. R-H-Y-T-H-M. I don't know that one. Yeah, R H Y T H M. It's like it's like if somebody cuts you off in traffic, hmm. and you think, if this person does one more thing, I'm going to remember their license plate. Oh, oh, and I see then, what you're saying. Yes, 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 yes. And then it's just like you know, it's like five four six five five four eight. You just remember. It just becomes a monomic. So you, <laughs> I, I, I noticed the other day. It's not a monomic if it's just numbers. But I remember the other day uh, I started saying people's license plates out loud as I was driving. I like to practice. And they all kind of bounce along. BRA 7421, you know, just like hmm. they just have like telephone number uh, uh, cadence. And I was having a great time. I was just, I was bouncing along. I was, I was, uh, I was reading people's license plates. Pretty soon I tried to keep three license plates in my mind at a time. Couldn't do it. That's tough. That is tough. Yeah, it was tough. I, I could do two, but I couldn't. But three was just like, no, nah, I can't do it. Now, I think that's probably a skill set that other people have. We'll, pro- we'll probably get some letters from people that are like, I can do seven. Well, one time um, on, the, on the, the podcast I used to do with him, uh, Adam Lissagor was talking about paradiddles, polyrhythms, something, because he used to be a drummer. Mm-hmm. And, and he, the, he, he would play it. He played it and said, and, and the way you remember it, he'd say, pass the goddamn butter. Pass the goddamn butter. I did not know Adam Lizagor uh, was a drummer. Doesn't it just make him seem more sensual to imagine? It does. I mean, not even necessarily, I'm not picturing him playing the drums, but just knowing that he could play the drums anytime. He's very sensual already. Yes. He's like, he's like, I don't know, man. He's like a, like a big glass of burgundy. Just, mm. he's a, he's a huggy bear. I told you my 11020 exposure story. I know I've told you that. I think. I'm not sure. I'm not well, sure one time my mom said, I want you to go get, get, get film for the camera. Because again, mm-hmm. as a youth, now, now the youth that I know would never get out of the car, go into the Eckert drugs and buy things on their own. Oh, let alone let that be cigarettes. I've told you this not, story. What? Not even a carton of milk? A, stick, of uh, uh, <laughs> stick of goddamn a bread, butter. <laughs> a loaf of bread, a carton of milk, a, stick of, a yeah. loaf of bread and a stick of butter. But in that parking lot, she said, I said, well, what am I supposed to get? She says, well, you go in, you want to get one ten twenty exposure. So 110 film, 20 exposure. 110 film with uh, 20 photos on the roll. 110, 20 right. exposure. 
Right. So she, so she said, we got to go and you get uh, Kodak 110-20 exposure. Right. <clears throat> and so I said 110-20 exposure. 110-20 exposure. exposure. And uh, so that was what? Probably 1980, maybe? And that was probably like four minutes in 1980. And I still feel that rhythm in my bones of 110-20 exposure. Because you said it, you said it so I many times. I said it times. over and over up to the point money was exchanged for film. 110-20 exposure. Mm-hmm. One ten twenty exposure. Yeah, yeah. See, now that's a thing kids today have no idea about, These am I kids right? kids today don't even know how to send a telex. One ten twenty exposure. Oh, now they just, oh, they're always on <laughs> This episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you in part by Keeps. You can learn more about Keeps right now by visiting keeps.com slash supertrain. Losing hair sucks, and two out of three of you fellas will experience hair loss by the time you're 35. Introducing Keeps, the easiest and most affordable way to keep the hair you have. These FDA-approved products used to cost so much, but now, thanks to Keeps, they're finally inexpensive and easy to get. For five minutes now, and starting at just $10 per month, you'll never have to worry about hair loss again. Getting started with Keeps is so easy. Signing up takes less than five minutes. You just answer a few questions and snap some photos of your hair. A licensed physician will review your information online and recommend the right treatment for you. Then it's shipped right to your door every three months. Keeps offers generic versions of the only two FDA-approved hair loss products out there. Some of you have probably tried them before, but you've probably never gotten them for this price. Keeps' treatments are up to 90% effective at reducing and stopping further hair loss. Some men do experience hair regrowth, and at best, men will get back up to 20% of the hair they lost. Keeps is only $10 to $35 a month. Plus, now you can get your first month free. It's one heck of a deal for getting to keep your hair. Find out why Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of its competitors, and nearly 100,000 men trust Keeps for their hair loss prevention medication. If you suffer from hair loss, the last thing you need is to wait to see a doctor. With Keeps, there is finally a way to get the help you need when you need it. For a limited time, receive your first month of treatment for free. You go to keeps.com slash supertrain. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash supertrain. Get a free month of treatment at keeps.com slash supertrain. Keeps. Hair today, hair tomorrow. Our thanks to Keeps for supporting Roderick on the Line and all the great shows. (laughs) We got two sponsors this week. I need dings. I uh, I have never met a person our age that if I say 220, they don't say 221, oh, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Yeah, absolutely. Now, was that movie so, was it just, uh, it, none of us missed it? Everybody saw it and everybody pulled that line? I mean... I think there's a variety of reasons. Uh, I think, yes, you're right. The, but well, there were fewer things to see. And if you had cable, there were the th- same things on all the time. I saw Mr. Mom. And that wonderful scene with Michael Keaton and Martin Mull, I've seen it so many times. And it, you imprint on that because it's a funny scene. He's feeling, uh, because he's now the stay-at-home mom, ha, 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 imagine that. <laughs> Was he married to Terry Gar? Uh, Terry Gar, the great Terry Gar. Shit, dog. We, we started watching Young Frankenstein the other night. Oh, my God. Call the cops. Terry yeah, I Gar. I know. I'm the Terry same way. Terry fucking Gar. I'm the same way. Oof. I'm the um, same way. Terry wow. Gar and Young Frankenstein. And, and Madeline Kahn in... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Blazing Saddles, 15th month of I can't get it out. I don't know I if know. I want it out, but it won't go out. What would you do if it did get out? One ten twenty. How, how would you say the things that you need to say? 220-221. So Martin Mull says to him, he's going to, so he's trying to present. He's doing his own Michael Keaton's. He's doing he's his own a, version of the silverback. He's got his toolbox on. He's, yeah, he's got like a big belt <clears throat> on and he's talking about how he's going to rewire the house. Mm-hmm. And Martin Mull you know, you get a little older, you realize it is kind of a, it's a silly question. He says he's going to wire for 220. Yeah, sure. And he says, what does that even mean? <laughs> well, like, why would you a, want your whole house to be 220 unless you have sure. six, 60 dryers? Yeah, yeah. You're going to put a dryer in there? You're yeah. going to put like 15 How many dryers? Are you no, get? of course not. He's, gonna, no. he's not going to do He's going to wire for 220. And he says 220, 221, whatever it takes. And Martin Mull, the despicable Martin Mull, <clears throat> has a look go across his face that indicates that he's not fooled by Michael Keaton's. Right. Macho handyman uh-huh. act. Yeah, right. Did I ever tell you the story of a, Is that a different mine? movie than when he works for the Japanese car people? That's a different movie, right? That's a different. That's called. Uh, that was called. It's called uh, uh, racist eighties. That was Unduska Nunduska RCA beat Sony. Oh, Burns Verkhoffen, uh, Verkhoffen House. Right. 
Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. So go ahead. But my friend, uh, my friend Jim, uh, was a construction worker uh, when we were in high school. He worked downtown on a building. Uh, this was during the summer. Yeah. And uh, he would come over to my other friend Kevin's house every day after work, and uh, and you know, and, and they would like it. Kevin would answer the door, and they would then I don't know what they would begin uh, their afternoon together. Mm-hmm. And one day, Kevin and I were talking, and he said, "Every day, Jim shows up at my uh, door wearing his hard hat and tool belt, having just gotten off off work, <clears throat> and it was only." Uh, after about a month of this, that I realized that you can't drive a car wearing a hard hat and a tool belt. Whoa. You have to get out and put on your hard hat and tool belt just for the performance of coming up to my door. And it was so very much in keeping with Jim and Jim's whole, Jim's whole thing that we were like, whoa, right. And we, you know, we both sat there in silence and just marveled at, at Jim putting on his hard hat and tool belt. It's like a lady, it's like us not understanding why ladies uh, complain about not having pockets and having to dress and wear high heels. It's like there's a lot of effort that goes into like what they have to do. And in that case, he's basically putting on high heels to meet you at the door. Yes, exactly. Those are he's hard putting, to drive in. You know what I'm saying? Well, I, you can't drive in a high heel. Nope. I've said <laughs> that, I've said that my cape. whole life. Yep. You always, right? You've always said that. <laughs> <laughs> you don't uh, pull the mask off the old Lone Ranger. No, 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 no. I, I miss my old Jim. <laughs> <laughs> I hate my brain, and so do you. Tomorrow, tomorrow, Bernadette <clears throat> Peters. I, you know, I almost made <clears throat> a pizza in a cup reference at the very beginning of the show. I almost made a Wally like, reference. I a said, do not, don't, don't make a pizza in a cup reference. Is that the just, jerk? Just, yeah. Just let it ride. Just go. Just let it ride. But then when you started talking about Madeline Kahn, yeah. my mind immediately went to Bernadette Peters. Oh, man. Because <laughs> when I think about a young Terry Garr and a young Bernadette Peters, it's like, well, it's been one of those it's been one of those desert island uh, sort of, uh, you know, uh, whatever, puzzles. It's a trolley problem. <laughs> um, <laughs> if, you're, if you're trolley, uh-huh. if, you're, if you're a trolley, if you know what I'm saying, it's oh, coming I off see. the track. And one <laughs> One side is Brenda Peters uh-huh. and the other is uh, Terry Garr. Who are you going to save? Ghostbusters. Okay. That's All right. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> um, but right. to, uh, but uh, <clears throat> I was, I was going to, I was going to just uh, do a little derail. Okay. Yeah. Because it just popped into my head uh, that, uh, that uh, tomorrow I close on my new house. Bernadette Peters? No, 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 not a, no. This is a completely separate conversation. Oh. It just oh, so we don't, are we done talking? Head. We're done talking about cute girls. Uh, well, because I got a little crush. I think I got a little crush on a lady from Star Trek yesterday. Like a new Star Trek? No, 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 no. First season. My kids, of, my kids, obsessed of, with Star Trek. So we of that's what, what we show? Now. First season of which show? There's TOS. So many. TOS. We'll see. Uh, I don't know yeah, no. It's the one where it's the one with the body switchers, and it's that lady who was later in Born Free, and then she was later in uh, Star Trek: uh, uh, New Generation. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know anything. What's her name? About Maria Moldauer? No. What's her name? I'll find it. Okay. Dig it. Dig it. Dig it. Challenge. You're, talk, you're uh, talking about a thing, and I don't know. I'll, 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 I'll almost send you a photo of this lady. You're gonna know who I mean. It's just like, oh, I've got all oh, these sh- figurines of Wilberforce, and I'm like, she's I don't know. You're quite, leaving me behind. She's not quite in my pantheon. Yeah. Pantheon. She's not quite playing at the level of a Terry Gar, but yeah. she looks she can rock that little red mini dress thing. Star Trek. The, oh, style. you're talking about the original T-O-S, Star Trek. The original series. Is. Are you somebody that calls the the dumb uh, Star Wars's one, two, and three? I, I do a lot of things. Well, I don't you know. I'm some gonna of find a picture. So, you know, hey John, can I ask you a question? It, How are things going with uh with your house stuff? Oh, it's fine. Okay. Yeah. Well, so, so wait. So we, you got through all of this year, and you're here. We're up to the point yeah. now where you've made an offer. We la- last we checked in on, in this particular program, mm. uh, you had made an offer. Fingers mm. crossed. We'll see how it goes. Mm. And so you got a closing tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You must be so happy. I mean, oh, apart I from know. all the money and stuff. Yeah, the money and <clears> stuff. <throat> Tell I me about know. it. Talk, talk, talk more about the new house. Oh no, it's fine. It's just a. Uh, it's just. Uh, it just popped into my head. It was not a. It I want to hear about it, but here's the thing. You don't. Thing. You don't talk to a man about Bernadette Peters and then move to like going to a bank. Mm. You know. Oh, 
Yeah, I do. I okay. do. Tell me, uh, so which house is this is not, this is the one with the, with the, uh, actually we talked about this, I think after the show, but this is the one with on an acre. Uh, yeah. Oh my God. That's so freaking cool. Talk about it. Tell, tell, tell me about this house. I told, and I told you, my grandparents lived on exactly one acre of land as was the style at the time. And it was the greatest place, as I said, I'm just repeating everything you and I said off air, but like, it was so great because you could be just a little bit out of eye view. You could be, and didn't you see there's a creek nearby or something? It, it was, is this in Ohio, your grandparents' house? Yeah, yeah, Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah. They. Uh, That's yeah. the wonderful thing about Cincinnati is that you can, this is one of the reasons I wanted, when we were on tour, uh-huh. we were always we were always making mental notes of all the places that you could <laughs> buy a house yeah. and live in a style nicer, greater than the style uh, that you could live in Seattle for way more money. And Cincinnati always, always had that, you know, you, as soon as you're out of the core 15 blocks of Cincinnati, it feels like you're immediately in a place where everybody's got an acre of land yeah, uh, tons I mean, of tons of suburbs with really different uh, characters to them. Yeah, and just yeah. rolling hills and like beautiful, and it and it became a it became a place that I like anything in Ohio where you felt like, huh, I could for one tenth of what it costs to live in Seattle have a stone home. Yeah, that probably played a role in the Underground Railroad or the Civil War in some way. <laughs> and it would be a it would be a home that had a uh, like some sort of kitchen that actually used to be a pioneer cabin that they just like built a home around, uh-huh. and all of it would cost what it costs to register a motorcycle oh, in Washington I State. I can't think about it. And then there were other times, and then you'd sit and do <sighs> the math, and you're like, I could fly from Cincinnati to anywhere in the country. It feels like I could do that in three hours. So. In a way, it's just yeah. it's no it's no further from Cincinnati to Seattle than it is uh, from Portland to Seattle. Yeah. So yeah. I've and uh, and it's so just impressive. There was a, we went to, we stayed with a guy in Pittsburgh one time after a show. He was like, "You guys need a place to crash," kind of like how I met you. Mm-hmm. And we were like, "Yeah, with, yeah." We'll, with you Ken know. Stringfellow hitting on your wife. It may maybe Ken Stringfellow was with us, in fact. Yeah, and uh, and it, you know it was one of those things. Uh, the, not very long ago, like three or four months ago, I posted a thing about Dave Bazan where I was like, you know, Dave Bazan, un, uh, unquestionably uh, the guy that has played the most shows. Maybe I said house shows. And that guy works because he's relentless, right? Yeah. He does two hundred fifty. He's, he's shows in a van a and he's just going places, man. And uh, and you know. Uh, not very long, but a few minutes, 10 minutes went by. And then Ken, who I, who I forget <clears throat> is even aware of me, mm-hmm. you know, like <laughs> Ken is out there in the world and he's, <clears throat> I don't know if you saw, but he was posting from, he was posting from Kazakhstan or something. He was like playing some shows in Kazakhstan. Wow. And uh, he posted a, he, he replied to my tweet uh, with two, two words. He said, um, he said like, strong disagree or something like that. Or I, you know, something to the, to the effect that he contests that record. And I realized, Oh sure. Ken plays 300 shows a year. And so maybe this guy that we met in Pittsburgh was a guy that was part of the Ken string fellow larger orbit. Mm-hmm. That's why we ended up going back, but we went back to his house and it was, you walked in and there was a staircase that took up what would be a pretty expensive apartment in Seattle. I mean, the the staircase was a one bedroom apartment. Oh God! Like it went it and it had stained glass, like two story stained glass windows in it. Up up you go. It had a I don't know if it had a ballroom, but it was a it was a place that even then, even in two thousand one, would have been a two and a half million dollar house on in Seattle, and it's just right close to town. And I, we were like, how much? Does, do you mind us asking, like, how much is this house going for here in Pittsburgh? And he was like, $80,000. Why are you doing this to me? Ugh. I know. You live in San Francisco oh in, a, God. in a place. That's a horrible In year. a place, in a city that just keeps, that just keeps getting worse. Sometimes they just worse. turn off the electric because that's a thing now. 
Oh, this is the thing to prevent forest fires. Well, yes. Only you can prevent forest fires. Yes, only PG&E can prevent wildfires. (laughs) By having no electricity for how long? Well, I mean, it's a long story, but San Francisco is exempted from this, (laughs) but nobody else is. And just dozens of counties uh, up to like, you know, pushing a million, million households. Not people, but households. I think last time around it was up to 800,000, and it could happen again starting on uh, Wednesday. This is because why? PG&E, Pacific Gas and Electric, uh, was uh, held responsible for their equipment having started some of the terrible, terrible wildfires last year. And uh, sometimes for things as simple as they just weren't maintaining equipment or, or trimming near equipment, you know, branches and stuff. I, and, boy, I know what that's like. And, um, yeah. I, and don't, so, I don't really trim around my equipment either. Whoa. They call it manscaping. <laughs> Where's the bell? Mm. I don't, and I don't so, have one. No, anyway, no, no, you, and so, yeah, hey, we're shutting off the electric sometimes. Have fun. Could be a week, you know. Yeah. It's, it's really, no, no, it's just, you know, I only mentioned that in passing to, to say, like, it is, it's pretty wild that, you know, <laughs> Like five thousand, it's you know five thousand dollars plus a month for like a like a well depending on your part of town like for a one bedroom while people are sleeping on the sidewalk in front of Twitter headquarters. Sometimes it's it's basically like I've said before. It's basically we're living in a Godspeed You Black Emperor song. It's how how much is five thousand dollars a month? <laughs> what that mean? Well, I don't even know anymore. Oh. You know what I mean? Like, well, I mean, it's just 5, it's a 000. lot. Things are a lot here. It's just basically our local terrible newspaper site. Uh, it'll just be like every, almost every day. There's some article about like what what you can get for this amount of money right now, and it's, you know, it is on strictly by numbers. It's gotten, I think, slightly less bad, but somebody's market's always getting squeezed. San Francisco is anomalous in so many ways, not least that it is so close. Well, I mean, until recently, it's been close to Silicon Valley, but now there's a lot of companies that are based here, you know, and those people, you know, they got a lot of dough, they cash out. Uh, There's never, I mean, especially for highly prized for, for for a place where living on the beach is actually one of the cheapest places to live, it's it's upside down city. It's hot when it's cold. It's cold when it's hot. You know. <laughs> and on top of it all, it's like you know, it's like they say in England: public is private, up is down. But um, yeah, no, there's no, there's it is uh, economically anomalous in so many ways. Historically, you know, this is the place where we invented the in the 1840s. We invented the five dollar gallon of milk. You know, it's. You know, in the because in the of the prospector rush. days, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah in the gold yeah, rush yeah, days. Yeah. The only people who make make money are people who sell pans and lawyers. But um, <laughs> but anyhow, yeah, no, it's just so yeah, it's just really depressing. I I remember, and you surely do. Mm-hmm. Uh, when five thousand dollars was, I think more than one third my yearly income. Oh gosh, yes. Do you remember? Do you oh, remember the, yes, yes, yes. When I joined Harvey Danger, mm-hmm. they paid me twenty thousand dollars that year because I kept all my per diem. Yeah, this is how you were able to uh, get your first house, right? Yeah. Well, no, 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 not my first house. It was how. Oh I no, was it was, your, it was to, uh, car money, car, car commercial money, right? It, no, no, no. That oh, the car commercial money was how. Oh, sorry, I, I'm concatenating oh. your stories from different podcasts. You talked to you in, in telling the story of trying to find a house. You had a real, you had a kind of dark night of the soul the last few months trying to deal with this house stuff. And one of your anecdotes was that you had made, you were making something like two hundred and fifty dollars a month at a job or something like that. Nine hundred, nine hundred was the yeah. was uh, the amount, and I had you know my rent was three hundred fifty dollars a month. Yeah, and. uh and so Harvey Danger paid me $20,000 when I was in that band, and it was by far oh, yeah. the largest amount of money I'd ever made or ever imagined making, twenty grand. Yeah, yeah, sure. Which is one, you're saying one-fourth. It's hard to the, say. I mean, I think about like when I moved um, from Sarasota to Tallahassee uh, for a job, um, I, I, I mean, I... <laughs> It's easy to take the Mickey out of this, but it was a huge deal. I got a job making $22,000 a year, which was just a ridiculously large amount of money. My rent, I think at that time was, uh, I had a housemate and I think it was, I think my rent was $250 a month at its highest before I left Tallahassee. Um, my lady friend and I, I think our rent was $600 a month for a three bedroom house. Um, 
But again, now, no, 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 this is, this is, I mean, if you go look at inflation, I mean, there's, there's nothing unsensible about this. Inflation's a dick. But, yeah. you know, but all I'm just saying, like in 1991, 1991, 22 grand a year, 250 a month in rent. I think my car payment was like maybe similar to that, like 250 a month, something like that. I put the first time I paid $350 a month rent, uh, Everybody I knew was like, whoa, yeah, big spender. For sure. For sure. That's a lot. To, I mean, like, here's the thing. That's a lot to commit to. Anybody can have a good month or two, but that's a right. lot to commit to um, for a year. Yeah. You're assuming that you're going to keep yes, a job. Exactly. Did I know that you lived in Sarasota? That's where I went to college. So I lived there from uh, 1986 to 1991. Those were great years. I, d I didn't realize it at the time. Yeah, you know, I thought that they were shitty years. Great years, like as a as a like a culture. Well, can I say that? Well, I don't know. I mean, because like it's weird for me because there's a bunch of stuff that I have um, right. Whereas I used to feel very plugged in to news and pop culture, and I could tell you the entire TV schedule every year from 1975 to 1986. But then I went to college and I didn't have a TV for a while. And I got, so like I, for example, like I'm sitting here trying to find this episode of Star Trek we watched the other day, yesterday. Um, but I, I totally missed, um, next generation, for example, as a phenomenon. I missed. No, them. no, well, you were in college. Well, but I mean, the, the only appointment TV that I had my first year of college was the Saturday morning duo of, um, Pee Wee's Playhouse and Mighty Mouse. Um, and Can then, that be, what, what what were you doing? Because because uh, college was the, I didn't watch TV in the eighties mm -hmm. very much because MTV and CNN both came on, <laughs> and so all I watched was I, when I say I didn't watch TV, I mean I didn't watch anything but MTV, CNN, mm -hmm. and ben, and Benny Hill. Yeah, where you kind of gotten past the whole like let's sit down and watch an episode of TV or a movie. And I felt like the TV shows were not very good that people like, I didn't want to watch Miami vice. I didn't want to watch silver spoons. <laughs> I didn't want to watch silver spoons. I didn't want yeah. to watch, um, Knight Rider. And I, and I don't remember all those shows. There are a lot of shows that I, I, I just don't remember at all. Family. Oh no. I remember family ties, but, uh, full house. Like when did that come on the air? Oh That's yeah, I mean us, you're, right? you're getting into that period of like, uh, the Urkel show and like that's that period. I feel like where like, by the time I got out of college, then I was very, I had a VCR and I was taping Seinfeld and the Simpsons and right. rewatching my VHS tapes of that. I was taping Mr. Show and watching that over and over. Uh, obviously. Was, Mr. Show is one of the things that we bonded over. Abs from the beginning, that in the office, the British office, yeah. I feel like were the two things, but. Well, you introduced us to the office. We had never seen it before. Um, you, you introduced the long winners to the office and wow. it became, it became a thing that, that <laughs> it basically drove us kind of for thing. a year. Yeah. It's uh yeah, it's, it's really special. So yeah. Um, so I'm not sure where we're going with this. Yes. It's very costly in a lot of places. Um, it's, it's really wild. Yeah. It makes a person wonder about the future because kids today, you know, the kids they can't today afford and anything. like just, well, yeah. And just the fact that the, I thought my prospects were bad graduating from college because we had we had just come out of the so the the big eighty seven recession occurred, I think whenever that was my first or second year of college. Um, you know the stock market crash in my mom my mom lost a lot of money in that eighty seven crash. It was big. I, I one one reason I remember why it happened around that time because again I was not paying a ton of attention to stuff on news and TV. Um, I mean you know. I remember getting uh, every student at school got a letter uh, in their mailbox uh, from the head of the college's foundation. I remember, I remember, I, I, the reason I remember, first of all, I remember getting this letter and I remember that he used the word impact as a verb, which I found personally offensive. But he said something about how the recent uh, fluctuations in the stock market uh, would not impact the foundation uh, given their investment strategy. So that's that's the reason I remember Black Friday or whatever it was uh, being then. The the only reason I remember 1980, well the what, the fall of '86 was when Peter Gabriel's So came mm -hmm. out. Yeah, and that resonated throughout the culture so strongly, 
It was Peter Gabriel's So and that John Bon Jovi record where, or the yeah. Bon Jovi record, not that, John that, Bon Jovi. Yeah, the summer, the, I remember summer of between 86 and 87, I feel like is when um, Cowboy on a Steel Horse came out. Yeah, that's exactly what it mm-hmm. is. Cowboy on a Steel Horse and yeah. then Sledgehammer. Yeah, yeah. Also, those around the time of um, the big U2 record. That was like like a world beater at the time. Unforgettable Fire. No, the next one, the one with the hats. Uh, the one with the hats was called... I know. Uh, I love that I this is I killing John C. I don't Cusa. remember. I love that I this is killing it. him right now. I killing, don't remember killing. it. <laughs> what? No, no, I know the one with the hats. It was the no, one where they no. had the gospel music. It no. was the one. It was you're, called... you're thinking of Rattle and Hum. I'm talking about the one before that. Uh, uh, What's it, it called? It's called uh, the Hat uh, Album. Unforgivable Fire. <laughs> the Unforgivable Fire. <laughs> no, it's... <laughs> Please stop. Please stop. Let's just leave him hanging. Please. <laughs>